All right. Good day, everyone. My name is Jenica Hauser, and I recently became a content contributor for The Crude Life. I'm excited today to get to speak with Mark Watson, and he's with the Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. That is quite a mouthful, but I'm really glad to be talking with him today. Good day. How are you today, Mark? I am just fine. How are you? Oh, just doing fantastic. Thankful that I get to work indoors, that is for sure. <laughs> Wintertime. Yes. Okay, so okay, so I've been doing quite a bit of, of research looking up on the website, and there is a lot of information that you guys have put out there for the public, so that's really nice, made it quite accessible. There's videos on YouTube even that outline some stuff, so I took a lot of notes, but I wanted to kind of start with maybe you telling everyone uh, who you are, a little bit about what you do, and uh, we'll kind of go into what you've been up to this last year, because it seems like everyone at the commission has been quite busy. Well, that, that's for sure. So my my name is Mark Watson. I'm the um, supervisor, which is a retro name for director of the Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. We're headquartered in Casper, Wyoming. We just have one office for the whole state. And um, yeah, it's it's been a busy year, and it's been a year to forget, but uh, you know, you got to go through these things sometimes. Right. Well, it helps us to appreciate the good times, right? Right, right. Well, okay, so I see that uh, there have been different projects going on, especially this year, um, from from the lift of the commission tax to the energy rebound project to orphan wells. Is there, I mean, what, where, where would you like to begin? I'm, I'm, I've got so many questions. I'm very curious. Well, okay, so, you know, you mentioned the, the conservation tax. So we're a self-funded agency. We um, charge a tax on all production in the state. Uh, it's five mils, so it's five dollars for every ten thousand dollars worth of oil or gas sold. And then we also make, you know, money on permit fees. It's five hundred dollars for a drilling permit, um, hearing fees, two hundred fifty dollars. So you know, we we have enough revenue to basically fund our agency and then also fund um, orphan wells. Um, should the bond not be enough? I think that was your second question. So. Orphan well is basically a well where the company's gone bankrupt or hasn't followed our rules, and so we've um, revoked their bond. And then the well becomes the property of the Oil and Gas Commission, and it's our job to um, plug that well and rehab the surface. And so we've been pretty busy probably since I took over in 2014. We've had about a little over 5,500 to 6,000 orphan wells. A majority of them are cold bed methane wells that are you know, anywhere from zero to 3,000 feet. So they're a little easier to plug than, say, a, you know, deep horizontal well. And we've been plugging, you know, average five, 600 a year. This year we've got over four, 1,400 wells under contract. I think we've plugged, as of this week, close to uh, 1,000 wells for 2020. Um, and, and that's a lot to do with the governor and legislators telling the Oil and Gas Commission that, you know, when things are a little slower, maybe we could you know, up our game, plug more wells, keep more people employed. So that's what we've done. We've probably had three or four projects going at one time, and, and we basically put these projects in a geographical area, two to 300 wells per project, and then we put them out for bid. And so we're always, you know, as soon as one project's finished, we've got another one out for bid. And so it's kind of an ongoing process. And even in the wintertime this year, we we haven't had a lot of snow, so... You know, we're continuing to work throughout the winter. Nice. 
And then the other question, I believe, was the Energy Rebound Program. So that was a program that, you know, using CARES Act funding from the federal government due to COVID, you know, each state, I think, had $1.2 billion to spend. And for a small state like Wyoming, it's, it's tough to spend all that money. But the governor allocated uh, originally $15 million, and then we did another $15 million, so a total of $30 million. We kind of did it late in the year, but... Um, you know, it's still out there, and so we worked with the Wyoming Business Council. It was a body in charge of giving out these contracts, and so we we went over 800 different applications, and we did it all in three days to get the information back to the Business Council so they could um, award all the funding. And so basically, it's wow. 500,000 max per well to either one recomplete a well, which was basically a well that was drilled this year and due to COVID couldn't be completed. So that 500000 would go towards cost of fracking, you know, water, sand, anything like that. Um, then the next level was any well that was put back on production, recompleted, enhanced production, uh, anything that would increase production for the state. And then finally, the last tranche was um, orphan or wells that companies wanted to plug, you know, because the economics had changed. And so we're pretty busy for a couple of weeks getting all that out. But all the contracts or the companies have been awarded, they're, they're 500000 per well. So it's going to be a pretty busy December for uh, contractors and operators alike. Right. Well, because the, the deadline is uh, December 30th, right? Correct. So they have, they have to have the money spent by then. So, for example, if you're doing a frack and you couldn't get Halliburton out there till January, you can at least, you know, get the water out there, buy the sand, something, and, and have those funds expended before December 30th. And in that case, you'll be reimbursed for a minimum or the maximum of 500000 Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, okay. So taking it back a little bit to the, the orphan wells, I just wanted to, I guess, congratulate you. It wasn't a thousand wells, uh, the, the goal for this year, wasn't it? Well, originally it wasn't, you know, we, we do about 500 a year, but you know, once COVID came along and turned things upside down, um, you know, legislators got involved, the governor got involved. It's just because so many people were, you know, all of a sudden unemployed or soon to be. And so by having more than, you know, one or two contractors, we were, had three or four or five contractors going at the same time. So, you know, it kept a lot of people employed. And these companies know that, you know, we still have maybe 1,500 more wells to, to plug. So, you know, they're, they're going to stay busy for the next couple of years. So at least they have some, you know, certainty that uh, they have the work and so they can keep the employees. And that's one of the things we wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something that I think a lot of people are looking into. I mean, it, it got pretty pretty bad from what I hear this year. What, what was the, the low point, do you think, this year for the, the amount of production and the, the number of wells that were getting to be taken care of? Well, I mean, for Wyoming, the low point came in early August when our rig count dropped to zero. And I've been around a long time, but I haven't been around over 100 years. And I know, I don't think, you know, we've ever hit, you know, below the, below one well. So when we had, and it was only for a couple of days, but it's still historic to note that, you know, how much, you know, one, the COVID issue, uh, two, the issue between Russia and, in Saudi Arabia fighting over oil prices back in March and April. And so you combine those two and, you know, you had a drop of oil that at one time went to, into the negative. So it really shut down, you know, drilling, 
everybody kind of pulling their horns, trying to decide, well, you know, why expend any money now with with the prices so low? And right. of course, now things are a lot better. But this summer was a, was quite the low point for Wyoming. Well, I mean, th- I mean, I-, I wanted to say thank goodness it was only three days, but I guess really, I mean, when you factor in the the cost of production and the return on that production, the you know what was lost out on that three days was probably, I mean, probably felt catastrophic at the time. Well, it did because you just didn't know when it was going to end. But you know, as as things you know got a little positive later in August, September, you know, there was talk of the vaccine and prices of oil started to rise maybe people are going to start using oil more and of course that all came to an end once the second wave hit but uh, you know we're looking in the oil in the 40 40 dollar range now and for some companies that, that are efficient and can get a good deal on on employing a, a rig that um, you know some of the companies can make money well, that's good. What What do you think the outlook uh, is like for these companies right now? Um, looking into, I mean, next three to six months, next year, uh, do you see what kind of a recovery? Oh, I think it's going to be a slow recovery. I mean, 2021 is maybe going to be a little better than 2020. I mean, at least we know what we're dealing with. But, you know, I don't see a quick rebound. It, it all comes down to, you know, when COVID is kind of, put to bed when everybody has the vaccine when everybody starts traveling you know once you get airlines back and people traveling again that's when we start using hydrocarbons again and uh, you'll start to see the price probably fall of 2021 you know things will start going back up as far as oil prices companies you know getting back to work Oh yeah, Ho- hopefully, fingers crossed for sooner. But yeah, realistically, one can one can hope that by fall of next year, people will be able to travel around more. I know that I guess thinking about uh, when it comes to COVID, a lot of the regulations people are thinking kind of socially, you know, for for everyone. I wonder, however, uh, have 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 this has this really uh, affected regulations when it comes to oil and gas production? No, not really. I mean, I don't guess I'm not quite understanding your question I mean did we change rules or okay so I know that a lot of a lot of companies for example have implemented different regulations uh, for for the their workers or for uh, how things are done because of the you know the other outlying regulations like for socially you know wearing masks in public oh, right, um, right. In places I mean how has this affected regulations when it comes to implementing things in the oil and gas industry? Yeah, I mean, like any industry, it's, you know, wearing face masks when you go on location. Some of the companies, you know, our um, field personnel couldn't even come on location until they had a test, a COVID test. So, you know, a lot of the companies took it pretty serious. They didn't want to, you know, get anybody sick on the rig. They were kind of in their own little bubble. So, yeah, companies are doing everything everything they can to be cautious. I had heard some stuff about that. It kind of seems to me that uh, the the push against the oil and gas industry has has almost coincided with the push for public focus on health. Has the environmental movement at all impacted regulations within the last year, do you think? I'd heard rumor that that there might be something uh, being, I don't know, introduced regulatory-wise that would be similar to what Colorado's got going on. Well, certainly not in Wyoming. We haven't, you know, we obviously watch Colorado because they're, you know, right next door. Um, but we haven't, you know, had any ideas for implementing any new rules 
um, throughout this. You know, I think we're just trying to get get through this era, and um, you know, we can worry about new regulations in the future. But as of right now, we're not thinking of changing anything. I think there'd be a lot of people uh, happy to hear that consistency. Yes. After all, yeah, kind of makes people feel feel safer. And, and right now, everyone needs a good foundation. Right. Well, I mean, industry likes regulatory certainty. I mean, the biggest unknown for Wyoming is, you know, a new administration coming in. And Wyoming is 50% of our oil production and 75% of our gas production comes from federal minerals. So we're obviously a little nervous about what the new administration may do as far as, you know, maybe no, no new leasing, no new drilling. It's, you know, really it's up in the air right now. It's just it's all rumors, and so everybody's just kind of waiting to see what happens. Waiting for the final word, and I think that's kind of I think that's kind of the nation right now, kind of holding their breath because there's a lot of things riding on what may or may not happen depending on which administration takes office. Right. Well, you know, today's the electoral college, and we're going to assume that you know the new administration is is the Biden administration, and so you know that's the one that makes you know why I'm a little nervous you know, with regards to federal minerals. Right. Because what came to mind, I guess, was uh, with Colorado, the uh, initiative to kind of phase out to all renewable energy by 2040. And I mean, a lot of times it kind of ends up like a domino effect. So uh, I, I know that there's been different different organizations and movements. I, I, I kind of wonder how much it had affected Wyoming, simply because, well, it's well known for the oil and gas industry. So a lot of the people there are going to be in support of the oil and gas industry. Well, that, that's that's for sure because that's you know that's our bread and butter. That's sixty to seventy percent of the, the state revenue comes from coal, gas, oil. So you know that that's something we're kind of trying to tackle now. And of course, like any every state, you know we're having huge budget shortfalls. You know we predicted maybe up to a billion dollars shortfall over the previous biennium. So you know we're still hoping that uh oh hoping for a good recovery in oil and gas right yep everyone with their fingers crossed i actually uh this actually kind of brings me back to what i'd mentioned about the commission tax i was curious to note um because it was lifted for six months have do you think that that uh it did what you wanted it to do in the efforts to help the recovery well i'm not sure what you know it, it was something that the governor was just asking all agencies, you know, what can we do to help, help, you know, industry in a time like that? And I said, well, there's different things we can do, but if we go, if we basically cancel the conservation tax for six months, it affects everybody from the biggest to the smallest company. And so, you know, it was something that was helpful. I'm not sure, you know, what we were trying to accomplish, but other than just to assist the industry. Well, I suppose if that was the main goal and you saw ways that it had had assisted, that would of course, market as a success. So that's that's really good. I guess, okay, so looking into the future, because we, we're talking about uh, recovery, I know that we had mentioned that December 30th was kind of the deadline for the, that was for the energy rebound program. Do you see any new projects beginning here sooner? Well, I mean, drilling is, is starting to come back. You know, I think our recount this week is six. And, you know, they're all horizontal wells, maybe a directional well in the western part of the state for natural gas. But, it, you know, that I've always told people that, you know, we can do legislative rules to help operators. We can 
you know, lower severance tax for a while. But really, there's only two things that, that operators use to decide whether to drill or not. One is the commodity price, obviously, and the other is the quality of the rock. So, you know, if you, if you have a good reservoir and the price is right, companies are going to drill. Right. Well, that makes sense. Yes, I hope to. When did horizontal drilling start becoming more popular? Well, we actually, when I say we, I mean in industry in Wyoming, experimented in the, the mid-90s in a couple of fields, but they, they could drill horizontally. They just didn't really know how to complete the wells. And a lot of times they're just drilling kitty corner southwest and northeast to try and connect as many fractures as they could, natural fractures. Because they didn't know how to do the um, how to set production casing and cement it in a horizontal method, they didn't know how to frack it, and it wasn't until you know 2010ish, maybe a little bit before that, where they figured out how to do um, one set set liners, um, sliding sleeves, and then when they came along and, and they were able to do stage fracks where they could actually drop balls down the casing and, and frack you know two to three hundred feet at a time, then move to the next two or three hundred feet then you could be really selective in how you complete these wells. And that's when things really got successful. And, and that basically turned the, turned the industry around this state because where the Pot River Basin is probably the number one basin for horizontal drilling. And they're drilling into formations that produced vertically back in the 70s, but they just didn't produce a lot on these really tight, tight formations. But once you could you know, put a lot of sand and a lot of water to these formations, you know, that's when you start to get, you know, production up in the two to 3,000 barrel a day range. And that's, you know, when it really became economic. Nice. Because I had been wondering about that because I had seen something uh, when I was reading into what you have on the website, which, by the way, for anyone listening, there is a lot of really good information on their website. But it had said something about a new development or something being implemented this year that had really increased. And then earlier I was listening to an interview that you had done where you had noted that 95% of, I believe it was 95% of the permits, well, no, the majority of permits were for horizontal well drilling was what you had said. Was that, that was the vast majority? Over 95% are horizontal drilling. I mean, we still have a few vertical plays, but um, horizontal is really where it's at. So that had actually raised a question in my brain then earlier when we were talking about the uh, the plugging of, of these wells, because you had mentioned that it's more difficult to plug the horizontal wells. Is this, do you think, going to be kind of a an issue in the future, just out of curiosity? Well, it's not more difficult. It's just it takes a little longer and takes a little more cement because the wells are deeper, um, casing's bigger, and the surface locations are a lot bigger. So it's it just going to be a lot more expensive. For, you know, we can plug these uh, coal bed wells for $5,000 a well. And so we're pretty efficient. And that's, you know, that's pretty cheap. But when you're looking at, you know, plugging a 10,000-foot well, you know, we look at an average price of $10 a foot, and that's just for cement costs and no real problems in the well. And, and then you have a lot of costs in, in this the surface, some of these locations are 10, 10, 20 acre surface locations. So there's a lot of rehab work to be done in the future, of, you know, once these wells are buttoned up and put to bed. Um, but, you know, we've, we've dealt with this kind of thing for years and years and years. And, and most operators do the right thing. And when the wells are uneconomic and they, they, they get them plugged and get the surface rehabbed. 
Well, that's good. Yeah, no, I was just curious because I, I guess previously I'd only in my own head only ever thought about, uh, well, vertical drilling. And so when I was reading about the horizontal drilling, I found that to be pretty intriguing. And I'd asked my husband some questions about it. And he said that it had been used for a while. But I, I, found, I found it to be interesting when you noted that it was so prominent. How many wells do you think are in Wyoming right now that are horizontal wells versus I keep wanting to call it vertical, but that's not actually the term for it. I apologize. Yeah, we've got we, conventional wells versus non-conventional, but conventionals okay. are the vertical wells. You know, I, we have, you know, several thousand, two, three thousand horizontal wells. Total wells in the state is in the, you know, 40,000 range. Um, of course, not all of them we're responsible for because there's a lot of, you know, like I mentioned earlier, is the the majority of the minerals are federal, and so those wells and the jurisdiction falls under the Bureau of Land Management, you know, who has bonds and, and is responsible for plugging wells if, if they should be orphaned. Do they still have to go through you for the different permits and stuff for those wells? They, they still have to file a drilling permit with the state, even on federal minerals, because we're the ones that... Um, assign the API number, the unique number for each well. Oh, okay. And we also have jurisdiction over spacing. And so we do all the hearings, you know, every every month, you know, we used to do up to 4,000 hearings a month. And, you know, now we're down to two or 300 hearings a month. But all these wells have to have a spacing hearing first to determine, you know, majority of them are on 1,280 acre spacing. Then they can do um, hearings for additional wells because most wells, most horizontal wells only drain between 250 and 300 acres, so it takes several wells to completely drain the reservoir within a 1,280-acre spacing unit. So, yeah, we're involved in a lot of the front-end work, on even on federal wells. And, of course, in the Pot River Basin with these horizontal wells, there's what we call mixed minerals. So most of the wells, you're drilling horizontally, you're drilling through private minerals, state minerals, as well as federal minerals. And, and not very often that, that you can drill a well that doesn't hit federal minerals. Huh. Kind of clears up a few things for me. I, I, uh, I'm still learning quite a bit about the specifics when it comes to in the industry. So, again, really glad that I got the opportunity to talk with you today. Is there anything else that you can think of that you would like anyone listening to know about what's going on? Any important uh, projects or, or, or uh, events or anything that you would like to mention? No, not really projects. It's just, you know, everybody is waiting for, you know, it's it's like any downturn. It's, it's you know, the industry is pretty resilient. They always come back. It's just a matter of, you know, how long it takes. You know, I remember in the 90s, it took five or six years to go from $15 to $20 for a barrel of oil. So, you know, everybody's thinking, oh, you know, next year will be better. And sometimes it's several years and you, and you just don't know. So that's everybody's got their fingers crossed. Just got to go with the flow and ride it out. Yep, that's how it is. Well, I guess, thank you so much. I really, again, I really do appreciate the time you took to talk with me today. It was a wonderful conversation, and uh, there was a lot of information there, so thank you. Okay, well, you're welcome. I'm always happy to plug the state of Wyoming. Absolutely. And then if anyone should want to get a hold of the commission, where would be the best place, do you think, to reach you? You can go to our website. It's got, you know, lots of information. If you go to the data part of it, you know, every single well in the state, whether it's federal, private, state minerals, um, we have all the production information and all that stuff. And then there's also, 
you know, contacts. If, if you need email addresses, phone numbers, anything like that, it's all on the website. Wonderful. Thank you, Mark. I've taken up enough of your time. You've been so gracious. Okay, you're very welcome. Good talking to you. You too. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay, thank you. All right, my friends, that was Mark Watson with the Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. If you would like to find out more about the Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, make sure to go to wogcc.yo.gov. And if you like what you heard and you would like to hear more great information, check out the rest of what you can find on thecrudelife.com.